The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Destro. That's Mike D E E S T R O. Pretty excited about this week's episode. I am talking about the most underrated Disney movie songs of all time. I feel like there are just some. I feel like there are just some great Disney songs that kind of go unnoticed, and you don't really hear when they do all these big elaborate musical specials about Disney songs that these just. Don't get the credit they deserve. So I wanted to pull them all together for an episode and highlight some of those. Also asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter your opinion on what you think are the best ones. So I included those as well. So this is all about the underdog songs of Disney. The ones that don't get the recognition like maybe Elsa and Let It Go. But that doesn't mean that they're not great songs. So we'll talk about that. I also want to get into what is known as the Disney Dark Age. If you don't know what that is... But it sounds interesting to you. You better stick around and kind of find out what is dubbed as the kind of worst Disney movies of all time. And I'll explain why they were so bad and unmemorable. And then I'll also give my review of the movie Hamilton. Yes, I'm calling it a movie because now it's on Disney Plus and you can watch it in your home. And I did have the whole debate on whether or not this constitutes as a movie. Yes, I meant to use the word constitutes because you get it. Constitute, constitution. Yes, had to throw in an American pun in there, but I'd never seen anything from Hamilton before this. I've never listened to the soundtrack. And after watching it and realizing, wow, this is actually a cinematic piece and translated into a movie, I decided I have to review it as a movie because it was supposed to get a theatrical release next year and ended up just dropping early. So kind of a little breath of fresh air of having something new to watch. So if you like music, if you like Disney, if you like Hamilton, I think this is the episode for you. And maybe not even just you, maybe a friend too. So it would really mean a lot to me if you know somebody who's maybe into all these things and would enjoy this episode. Recommend them this podcast. Tell them to check it out. Tell them to subscribe. Brand new episodes every single Monday where all I do is talk about movies. That's it. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. And you'll get brand new episodes on your phone or your computer every single Monday. And if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or on your iPhone, Hit that five-star rating, write a quick little review. It takes like 10, 15 seconds to do and really helps me kind of beat out all the other movie podcasts in that category that I'm battling every single week. 
And if you don't want to do any of that, that's cool too. Just sit back and enjoy this episode on your drive. Hope you're having fun. Hope everything is going well in your life. And I hope you get a chance to watch some movies. Because if you're like me, it's your one greatest escape in the world. All right, with all that said, and without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so today I want to talk about the most underrated Disney movie songs of all time because we all know the big ones, you know, the You Got a Friend in Me, the Let It Goes, the Akuna Matatas, all the really big Disney songs. But I feel like there are some that just kind of go unnoticed and unrecognized. So I wanted to pull them all together in this one episode to kind of show some light to these songs that maybe you forgot you even saw in these movies or maybe ones you never even heard of. Because kind of when I was pulling this list together, I realized that altogether some of these Disney movies are just highly underrated. And I feel they need to go back and kind of appreciate them for what they were. And... I was kind of trying to think of why I think maybe some of these songs are underrated and maybe because they're not as big and cinematic as the other ones. They weren't the real big hit off of these movies and some of these movies just aren't as well known. But there's some really great songs, not just as Disney songs, but I feel as just any other kind of song. And, you know, I see these specials come out where they do like, you know, Dancing with the Stars would do Disney Night or American Idol would do Disney Night or they'll do like these family singing alongs and they all do the big ones. But I feel like sometimes there's some space in there to throw in some a little more obscure Disney songs because they're all really great. And the great thing about Disney is they usually put a lot of effort into their songs because that's really where a lot of the money is. If you get a really big hit from a movie, you can make a lot of money off it. Not only could you win a you know an Oscar from the movie, but you could also win a Grammy as well. So I put together a list of some of my favorites, and I also asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter what you thought were some underrated songs, and I'll throw those in as well. But I just wanted to have a place where all these kind of exist, and you can hear these, and maybe you go back and think of like, oh, maybe I should go back and check out that Disney movie or just check out some of these songs. You can all search them up on YouTube or find them wherever you listen to Disney music in your car. But anyway, I got eight of these. I'll go through them one by one and talk about them. And then I'll throw in an honorable mention before I get to number one, kind of a whole... Another topic I'll get into after this about Disney, and then it's kind of a whole Disney musical episode, so we'll just run with it. Starting off first with number eight, it's going to Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Can you? Now, the reason I put this one at number eight, because I did feel like This is right on the edge of being a big Disney song and being an underrated song. Now, personally, I think this is my favorite Disney song of all time, mainly because when I listen to it now as an adult, it really makes me feel something for some reason. And I kind of visualize how it was the first time I saw it as a kid and how I hear it now. And this is really just a great song. Not only is the singing in it really great, I just feel it's a really emotional song and one that doesn't get a whole lot of credit and recognition. Maybe because it's slower, maybe because it's harder to do as a cover, but I feel it's a really great song. 
But it's also just right there on the edge of sometimes it will be recognized as being a bigger song. But I feel Pocahontas as a whole is kind of an underrated Disney movie. It did come out like in the 90s when a bunch of these other really big Disney movies. And I felt like it was just on the lower tier of that. But being on the lower tier of that kind of really golden renaissance age of Disney movies, I feel it just had tough competition around it. So sometimes you don't really go back to this one all that much. But I just feel like this is such a great song. At number seven, I had a bunch of people tweet about this one, and it's I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan, and it's actually Donny Osmond singing this version in the movie. But you can bet before we're through, Mr. I'll make a man out of you. Again, I also feel like Mulan is kind of an underrated Disney movie, and I'm kind of really curious to see how the live-action version kind of translates, because... There's no songs in the live action version like there is in the animated one. Like they took out some major elements from the animated one to make it more of a realistic live action remake, which I've had kind of conflicting issues and feelings about the new Disney remakes where, of course, it's the movies that we and I, a bunch of people loved as a kid. And sometimes you get into that kind of mindset of like, you like what you were into as a kid, and you always will remember it that way. And when you see it being redone, you're going to kind of pick it apart and saying it's not as good as the original. Now, I feel in some ways that Disney has got it right in making these cool live-action movies and making them kind of different. But I also feel like they kind of take a little bit away of the of the magic of Disney and the reason they were so kind of revolutionary in the 90s of making these really masterpiece movies, but doing them through animation and doing it through all the voiceover work and really making them come to life. I feel you kind of lose a generation of that when you kind of do the live action stuff. So Mulan's going to be a very interesting one to do because it just kind of looks like a straight up war movie, like a Disney war movie without kind of the fun and kind of fun nature that the cartoon had so i wonder how that will be received in theaters if it even comes out in theaters which the way things are looking now it's been pushed back even further so it's like how is that going to come across and then if we don't end up getting to see it in the big screen how is that going to fit in at home so again i still feel like the animated version of mulan is underrated and this is just a really great song and looks like a bunch of people and i think a lot of you guys on twitter agree with me as well because i got a lot of tweets for this one at number six, I am putting I Won't Say I'm in Love from the movie Hercules. It's too cliche, I won't say I'm in love. I thought my heart had learned its lesson. And like I was just talking about with Mulan, they have confirmed they are making a live-action Hercules. And I feel a little bit different about this one because this one is set in fantasy. And while Hercules is a real godlike human looking figure i think putting it into that fantasy world will still have that kind of cartoon element despite it being quote unquote live action a lot of this you know because they use kind of live action as saying that they put real actors in it and kind of it's just not animated because the live action lion king really wasn't live action it was all computer animation and made to look very realistic but it really was just kind of a highly advanced animation in a sense so I feel like this one placed in a fantasy, unlike Mulan's, kind of placed in like a real-life war situation. This one has the ability to kind of transfer over a little bit better. I feel it being more kind of like the remake of Aladdin. 
But I thought there was a lot of really great music in this movie. And a lot of what I think about when I remember this movie is all the kind of music sequences and the way they tell the story through the songs. And they're all maybe so tied into the plot that there's nothing really that can be branched out into being its own song. And I feel like this one song in particular does that pretty much really well and is probably the only one to kind of break off from that. And one I feel that really doesn't get enough recognition. I know when they did do that family sing-along, the song Ariana Grande sang was this song. So look at Ariana Grande shouting out an underrated Disney song. Like, I bet they even wanted her to do, like, a more popular song, but it's pretty cool that she did that one. One a whole lot of people don't do. At number five, one of my favorite Disney movies. I did a whole kind of discussion on this one, why I feel it's such an underrated Disney movie. But this song in particular... I'm talking about Eye to Eye from a Goofy Movie is at number five. Now this song just makes me feel good. This whole movie just really makes me feel good. And the kind of musical element to it is pretty cool because they create this fictional pop star named Powerline. And he has these original songs that are actually really good. And it's kind of funny when you create a fictional pop star in a movie. And the hardest thing probably about making a fictional pop star in a movie and really just making any kind of original song for a movie that's intended to be a hit in the movie is actually making a good song. And I feel they had like probably two really great Powerline songs in this movie. But this one in particular just made me feel really good because it's at the very end of the movie where Goofy and his son Max actually get to perform it with Powerline and it just has that really good feeling that kind of wraps up a Disney movie. Because the pop star power line is kind of Michael Jackson-esque. He has that kind of dance slash high-pitched vocals and really energetic songs. And I just thought this was a really great song from that movie. So underrated movie, even more underrated song. At number four, I had to go with a song from Moana. And it's You're Welcome, which is performed by The Rock. So I'm putting this one at number four. What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky. I had a bunch of you guys tweet about Moana and this song in particular. And I have to admit, when I first saw Moana in theaters, I'll admit that I was not that big a fan of it. And I've said before that I am not a big musical fan. I like movies that have songs in it, and I feel like there's a difference. Like, straight-on musicals where they just burst into song, I'm not really a fan of. I like movies like The Lion King that are storytelling but have songs in between them, and I feel like there's a difference in that. But I felt Moana was a lot more Broadway-esque, and that's probably because Lin-Manuel Miranda did all the music for it. And just watching it, I felt it wasn't really for me, and it wasn't until it came out later and I re-watched it, I was like, oh... This is actually really good. Like I would, I remember going on YouTube and seeing just the the songs for this, and I'm like, that's actually a really good song, and it kind of got stuck in my head. And the thing I like about this one is that actually The Rock singing this, and he was you know coached by Lin Manuel Miranda when they recorded the vocals for this, and I just think it's really cool that he actually did this because in a lot of all these other ones, they'll have the voice actors who do the voice for the animated characters, but they'll usually bring in somebody to do the singing part. But the fact that The Rock actually made an effort and sang on this song, and I remember The Rock back in the day when he was doing WWF, he put out like an actual single as The Rock. He's not a great singer, so for him to be coached by these guys to actually sing and do a really good song, I just thought that was awesome. And this song always just kind of stuck out to me. I think the song from this movie that usually gets the most credit is How Far I'll Go, which is another really great song, but I feel 
that one kind of gets more of the attention it deserves. And this one I felt was just underrated because it really brings The Rock's character to life in that movie and kind of explains what he's all about. But I also just think that Moana is a really important movie for Disney. And if you haven't seen it, it is on Disney Plus, so you can go watch that. And if you're kind of an unbeliever in musicals like I am, I think you'll enjoy it, even if you have to give it a second chance. At number three, I am putting a song from the movie Tarzan. It's called Strangers Like Me. So this song, along with the rest of the soundtrack, was written and recorded by Phil Collins, which I feel really gives this movie kind of an identity. And while the song You'll Be In My Heart went on to win a Grammy, I feel like it's the really the biggest one from this movie. But for me, I remember watching the movie, and when this song, Strangers Like Me, came on, it was a really emotional moment where Tarzan is kind of learning about himself and realizing that he is not like the apes he grew up around, and he's realizing, oh, there are other human beings out there. And I feel like at that point, I kind of connected with Tarzan of feeling like, oh, there is something else that's, there's actually other people like me. I'm not just a weird kind of outcast. And there's just something so cinematic about this one, unlike, like, you'll be in my heart. I get it's a great song and a very emotional song, but this one, I feel it kind of uplifts you a little bit while it's still kind of making you feel a little bit sad and it just is my favorite song from this movie and this movie like some of the other ones on this list i feel is a very underrated disney movie mainly because the animation in this one i feel is really great like tarzan looks different than any other really disney character i've seen and it's still in the 2d kind of animation which i love and i'm kind of a bigger fan of and just all the movements of him like flying through the jungle and doing all the kind of weird acrobatics i felt was really kind of disney animation at its best i like i like it when it's just straight up like classic drawings better than some of the computer animated stuff which don't get me wrong is great but there's just something a little more magical about animation when it's done this way and i think it's done so perfectly in this the voices in this are great and like i said the soundtrack really just brings it all together really as a whole there's not a bad song in the movie but i feel like this one just doesn't get the credit it deserves at number two, I'm going over to a classic, so not an underrated Disney movie by any means, The Lion King. So many great songs in The Lion King, but I feel one that just doesn't get the credit it deserves is from Scar himself, one of the greatest Disney villains. It's when he sings Be Prepared. And injustice deliciously swag. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> we'll be I prepared. feel like Scar is one of the greatest Disney villains of all time because he's the ultimate. He straight up kills Mufasa and then tries to kill Simba. Like, it doesn't get more vicious and heart-wrenching than Scar. Like, I just think he's the best Disney villain, hands down. Name another Disney villain. Go ahead. I'll wait. See, you can't name one. Scar I think Scar is just the best, and this song kind of ties together what Scar is about, and it's kind of a weird point in the movie because it just goes from being, you know, all about Simba and all about Mufasa to this point of like, it gets kind of really dark for a second and almost really weird with the hyenas dancing around and all the smoke and everything. And then it turns like this green color that's coming up and it's Scar singing the song. And I have a feeling that some people are like, this is kind of a weird point of the movie. And why would you think that this is one of the greatest songs and underrated? I just think that, Musically, it's a really great song. 
I love Scar singing. Something about his voice is just really dynamic. I the entire movie of having that kind of raspy, dark, sinister villain voice. And to have a song just kind of go off like this where he essentially says, you know what? I'm going to be the next king. And this is me taking over and telling all the hyenas this plan. It's just such a dark moment in the movie aside from Mufasa's death, of course. And the scene itself is so big and cinematic of all the, you know, the hyenas doing this weird dance and kind of prancing around in the dark. I just feel it gets overshadowed by some of the other big songs like Akuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love Tonight. There's just so many great songs in this movie that, of course, one of them is going to kind of go off and be like, okay, maybe that's not the biggest song from the movie. But I just feel it's really great. And the next Disney family sing-along they do, I challenge a celebrity to sing this song. I think it'd be amazing. All right, so that was number two. I got to throw in an honorable mention before we get to number one. It's from one of my favorite Disney movies, Lilo and Stitch, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride. There's no place to ride the beach. Yeah, I'm Lingering in the ocean blue. I just love this song. Anything that makes me feel like I'm in a tropical place makes me smile. And I remember getting to visit Hawaii for the first time a couple years ago. And we actually stayed at this Disney resort and they had like a stitch statue. And I remember like thinking like, oh man, I'm finally made it. Like the movie I watched as a kid and always thought of going to Hawaii. I'm finally here and it reminded me of that scene. And there's just something that takes me back to, I guess, childhood or some kind of good memory of being at a beach. And I hear this song and it makes me think of that. And now after that trip, I went back and watched Lilo and Stitch and had a better connection with the song of... Now, as an adult, being able to say I went to Hawaii, something I never thought I'd be able to do. So I think that's kind of why this song kind of speaks to me now. And there's not a whole lot to this song in the, like, the lyrics. There's nothing really big about it, but it's just that feeling it gives me. I feel it was a great original song for this movie, and you can't hear it without smiling. So I had to shout it out as an honorable mention. But now we have arrived to number one, and we're going all the way back to 1988. Movie called Oliver and Company, and the song is Why Should I Worry. Why should I worry? Why should I care? Yeah, I may not have a dime, but I got three sound This song is actually performed by Billy Joel, and the voice of the dog Dodger in this movie is actually Billy Joel. As a kid, I didn't know that. I didn't know who Billy Joel was. I just knew I loved this song. And Oliver and Company, I would agree that it's a pretty obscure Disney movie because it's kind of in this weird realm. Oliver and Company was one of my favorite Disney movies as a kid, and I remember just putting the tape in, hitting play, and just kind of being taken away. It starts off kind of sad because Oliver, if you haven't seen the movie, is this cat who gets abandoned in New York City. He's basically a stray cat put up for adoption. He's like in this little box, and he sees all these other kittens getting taken, being adopted, and then he's just left in the box. It starts raining, the box tears apart, and he's essentially washed away in New York City, and he goes to live with a bunch of dogs and kind of becomes one of them, which was kind of a departure for Disney, who was at the time doing just really fantasy movies or just movies based in a whole different realm or part of the world, and here you have a very realistic movie about a kind of a darker subject in a way, set in New York City, and just kind of tackling something different, maybe even feels a little less timeless like all the other movies that they have put out before. And they even brought in like different actors to kind of make it maybe more pop culture-y at the time. Again, this is 1988. And I just felt like this was a really great song. It's a really big sing-along song. 
and one that I maybe as a kid only knew like five lyrics from him and would sing it all the time. I just feel it has a lot of personality. The movie has a lot of charm, and this song in particular kind of embodies everything in the movie in this one song. And kind of knowing now that it is Billy Joel actually singing the song makes it a little bit cooler and it kind of makes more sense now. But I just felt like this song is such a big anthem to kind of not go noticed by some of the other Disney songs that I had to include it and make it my number one most underrated Disney song of all time. And it also leads me to my next topic. So anyway, that's the list. And what I want to get into next, because I did talk about Oliver and Company, is what's known as the Disney Dark Age. So it's basically a bunch of movies that Disney put out that didn't perform as well. I'll kind of explain why it's called the Dark Age and why these movies didn't really work. And then keeping with the theme, I will get into my review of Hamilton, which is now on Disney+. Plus. I'll review it as a guy, like I said, who doesn't really like musicals. So all that right after this break. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
All right, so now I want to talk about the Disney Dark Age. So let me explain what it is, first of all, and kind of how I stumbled upon this. So I was talking about Oliver and Company, which came out in 1988. And I remember watching this movie on VHS as a kid, and I knew it was a Disney movie, but I also felt like it had a different feel to it. The animation was a little bit different. Again, as a kid, you don't really think a whole lot about how a cartoon is made, and maybe you can't tell the difference between a Lion King and Oliver and Company, but when I was looking about stuff in this movie and how it was made, I realized that it was a part of something called the Disney Dark Age, which they have different eras that they kind of dubbed for the different years they put out movies. So it goes way back to when they were first putting out kind of the classic Disney movies to all the stuff they are doing now. So it goes from the Golden Age, the wartime era, the Silver Age, the Dark Age, which I'll talk about here in a second, also sometimes called the Bronze Age. And then they have the Renaissance, which was in the 90s, the post-Renaissance, which was the early 2000s stuff, and then the Revival Era, which is everything from the 2010s to the present time. So when you think of stuff in the Golden Age, it's all the really early Disney stuff like Snow White, Seven Doors, Pinocchio, all those really just straight up Disney classics. And maybe someday I'll do kind of a breakdown on each of these eras. But today I want to talk about the Dark Age. So we're about 40 years from those original Disney movies, the ones that Walt Disney himself had a hand in doing. But then Walt Disney died on December 15th, 1966, and after that, it was basically people who worked under Disney kind of continuing the legacy of Disney and holding true to the kind of the values of what he put into movies. All the animation, all the stuff was basically hand-drawn. So there are 24 frames per second in an animated movie. And that means that they straight up draw all 24 frames per second in every single animated movie before that. And this process takes a very long time sometimes they're working on you know these really big canvases i'm talking like things that you know stretch out the length of your arms to make these movies and that takes a lot of work to hand paint or hand animate every single frame like that's an intense process but what you get is a really lively picture that looks like everything is moving and everything has a feel to it it doesn't feel like you're watching an animated movie and that's what makes those early movies great and classics. And Walt Disney himself made it a point to never cut any kind of corners when making these movies. So they go through the wartime area, they go through the Silver Age, and then they get to the Dark Age, which was, you know, an era that lasted from 1981 to 1988. And the movies that came out during this time were like The Fox and the Hound in 1981, The Black Cauldron in 1985, The Great Mouse Detective in 1986, and then ended with Oliver and Company in 1988. Yeah, some other movies thrown in there. And when you look at these movies, you can tell that they feel different. That's mainly because all the original guys who were there under Disney, were pretty much all gone. And if they have new guys coming in, new animators making these movies, and they start to lose a bit of their charm because they changed the way they did animation, essentially, because they were trying to find a way to essentially make these movies for less. They were spending less on animation. They were spending less on production budgets. And a lot of these movies were scaled down. So what they started using was something called the Xerox process, which Xerox is essentially copying animation and reusing it in other ways. So what you start seeing in some of these movies is they'll double up on characters. So in a scene where maybe you have four or eight different kind of characters forming a group, what they ended up doing is just copying every single character and making them look exactly the same 
to maybe make a crowd. So it kind of loses that appeal of them individually drawing each one and they're kind of just finding different ways to cut corners. They even use like different animation kind of sequences from older movies and recycle them to make new characters use movements that were already used by older characters. So they found all these kind of ways to cut corners to save costs. And what you end up getting is kind of a little more lifeless of an animated movie. A lot of it's a lot more stiff. The animation's less fluid because they're cutting down so much. And when you watch these now, if you pull up some clips on YouTube or you go watch them on Disney Plus, you can kind of notice like in the background, a lot of this stuff is like not as well animated. Like the background doesn't move at all. And it's essentially just the characters moving in the foreground. So you kind of pick up on that. Maybe the thinking was that, you know, it's kids watching these. They're not going to notice if the background's not moving. But watching them. And looking back at some of these titles, you kind of realize that they kind of lost it a bit. Not only were they cutting back on the animation, but I feel like some of the stories on this kind of got away from the Disney brand, which was, you know, these big elaborate fairy tales, essentially, they created. They were going kind of more realistic and more dark and creating these stories that didn't really resonate with kids or resonate with really any audiences. So I think a lot of these movies just get overlooked. I actually remember watching a lot of these movies in school because every now and then we would have a movie day. And whenever it was like a Disney movie, you'd be really excited because you hoped maybe it was Toy Story, The Lion King or something. But once you kind of got down the list, I felt like they would bust out some of these older movies. And you can kind of tell that they were a little bit boring. <laughs> Nothing really happened in these. Even some of these were like longer. Like they also just look very scratchy and kind of drawn together weird. And there's just no really dynamic characters in this. It's just a bunch of kind of mediocre stories and really mediocre characters. Robin Hood. There was a Winnie the Pooh movie made. The Rescuers. Fox and the Hound. The Great Mouse Detective, all those movies were a part of this dark age. So I feel like these are all movies that rarely get talked about now. Maybe they have a little bit of charm because you remember them from your childhood. But even I remember watching these and not being impressed with them and being like, oh, it's okay. Like it's an animated movie, but it kind of feels like a chore to watch. So if you've ever wondered why these movies aren't as great, that's why. They were part of the dark age. They were trying to save money. So yeah, that's it for that era. Maybe I'll break down some more of these. because I think it's kind of fun to go back and look how these movies were made, mainly because Disney is just so much of a juggernaut when it comes to making iconic films that it's kind of rare that they fail. But I would kind of also like to determine and figure out what happened when they you know, were in the golden age. Like what went right at that time to make those movies so great and memorable. All right, take a quick break now and then get back with the review of Hamilton. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into exactly. what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now I want to get into my review of Hamilton. And let me just say, first of all, that I kind of debated whether or not I should review this as a movie because it's essentially a filming of the actual play with all the original cast. And it was made available on July 3rd, right before July 4th. And it actually dropped early. It wasn't supposed to come out until like next year. And I was like, well, is it a movie? Like, it's just a play, but now it's kind of being streamed into our houses. So... After watching it, I'll have to say I felt different about it. Before I get into the whole review, here's just a little bit of Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. All right, so this movie was initially meant to come out in theaters. Next year, October 15th, 2021 is when it was supposed to come out. But because of coronavirus... Disney was like, you know what? We have this. We're sitting on it. Let's just release it now, right before July 4th. And I think people will love it. Not only that, they probably made a lot of money off this because Disney Plus took away the seven-day trial, the free seven-day trial right before this came out. So there's such a high demand to watch it now that they kind of probably saw a boost in people subscribing to Disney Plus, which I subscribed back when it launched. So I was good on that. I already had it ready to go. I actually really enjoyed Disney+. Plus. They kind of got me early on with the Mandalorian series and then having all the Simpsons episodes. And then they've kind of sprinkled in some original movies in there here and there. But I feel like this is the first really big release that has brought people over specifically to Disney Plus for something that everybody wanted to watch. And it's the only place you can get it. So the movie, and I say movie because it was supposed to come out in theaters... It is a live recording of the actual play with the, all the original cast. It's about Alexander Hamilton, which, who was the first Treasury Secretary and the Founding Father. 
played by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did all the music for this. And let me just say, like, that is amazing. I know I talked about Moana earlier. He did all that music, and where he probably made all of his money and is sitting pretty well right now is because of Hamilton. So the movie is all about Alexander Hamilton's life when he arrived in New York City back in 1776 and him working with George Washington through the American Revolution and then all the post-war work he did. And while watching this, first of all, I went into it thinking and knowing that it was a long movie. Like it's over two and a half hours, I think right around that mark. And this is also edited down a bit from the original Broadway play. But like I said, I was like, should I should I review this as a movie? And after I watched it, I felt like, yes, it's a movie. Like, it essentially translates over into a movie. But unlike a movie, it never, you know, leaves the set because it's a play. But I feel like it was shot in such a way that it feels like it kind of moves through. And you kind of get a feeling like this is a whole movie. You follow the story pretty well along with the songs. And... It is a musical, and it's a straight-on musical to the point where they never stop singing. So if you're not familiar with that and you go into it ever expecting them to stop singing, they don't, which is an amazing thing to really see. Like, I'm really surprised and kind of perplexed by it, and I kind of see the hype in this movie and this play. I keep calling it a movie. I'm just going to call it a movie because I feel like now it feels like a movie. And I actually really enjoyed it, and I kind of went into it Thinking like at some point I'm going to get bored, but I would say the first 40 minutes really flew by because you're kind of getting into it. It takes a little getting used to the whole format of it, of it just goes from one song to the next. And sometimes it's kind of hard to kind of follow along with all the lyrics and you're kind of wondering where it is in place. But I felt once you kind of get in that mindset of knowing what you're watching, it's a really great movie to sit down and watch all the way through, which I recommend doing. I sat down and dedicated the entire time to watch it all the way through because like a play, you kind of get that feeling a little bit better of it all as one work. That's how it's kind of intended to be watched, which if you go watch a movie in theaters, you're going to watch it anyway. So I know sometimes watching stuff at home, you want to hit pause and come back to it later, but I highly encourage just dedicating the time to sit down and watch this entire thing, the kind of the way it was intended to be watched, because I think you'll get more out of it because once you're into it, you're into it. And I wasn't expecting to like some of the songs from this. Because I'm not, I just never really bothered to kind of get into Hamilton. I never really listened to the soundtrack that people loved. I felt like you kind of needed to see it to be, you know, entertained by it. And I, I'm not opposed to going to plays or seeing plays. I just haven't really, it's never really been my thing. And the thing about plays is they're very memorable. And sometimes, unlike a movie, you never forget a play you go see. I watch a lot of movies. Some movies, I forget some things that happen, you know, very small scenes in a movie. I'll forget it, you know, 10 years later. But I still remember plays that I saw as a kid because they're just so visual and so vivid. And you see them happening right in front of you that I can only imagine that people who got to see this in person and kind of what sparked this to be such a big phenomenon as it is. So much so that, it, you know, demanded a theatrical release so more people could see it. And I think it's something everybody should see at some time in their life. You'll learn a lot in this movie. You'll learn a lot through the songs. And it's done in an entertaining way. I think somehow my favorite songs were from King George. Like, for some reason, he was just so kind of... Like, the comic relief in the play that I felt it needed at times. And he kind of comes back and sings, like, the same song every time. But it just ended up being my favorite. Da, 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 da. the thing people were wondering about is that will this movie be eligible for oscars because they did kind of 
changed the terminology and the restrictions of streaming movies to be eligible because of coronavirus and everything going on that some movies won't have their theatrical release but unfortunately hamilton will not be eligible now disney is saying they still may submit it for some awards but it's looking right now that it won't be eligible to win any oscars and I think it's kind of two things it has going against it is the fact that it is a recording of a live performance, not really a movie and falls under those qualifications. Also, that now that it's on kind of Disney Plus and being shown as like, oh, this is Hamilton, it's kind of a promotional thing for the Broadway play, therefore also ineligible to be considered in the running for an Oscar. So it'll be interesting to see if any of that stuff changes with the success of it, but right now it's looking like it won't be up for any Oscars, but... Even though it won't be, I still think it's a really great movie. I give it four out of five declarations of independence. <laughs> and that's mainly because I still feel like it's like experiencing it live is probably that five out of five rating. But the recording of it is really great. And like I said, it still feels like a movie, even though you're just watching a live recording of a play. And who's to say somebody five years, 10 years down the line doesn't end up trying to do a movie like this. You know, all one camera, all one shot. What's the difference? You still have a storyline. You still have all the elements of a movie. Just present it in a slightly different way. So anyway, if you want to check that out, you have to get Disney+. Plus. Or if you're nice, maybe I'll give you my account info. All right, that's the episode for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to that all about Disney, all about singing, all about songs. If you did enjoy it, maybe you know someone who will enjoy it too. Share this episode with a friend. You can hit that share button, put it in your Instagram story. Because if you put it in your Instagram story, there's a very good chance you'll be the Instagram shout out of the week. All you have to do is post a screenshot of wherever you're listening to it. Post a screenshot of your dashboard and tag me in it at Mike Distro. And I pick one person every single week to highlight. And this week it is going to Alex underscore Sparkles. That is her name on Instagram. Her real name, I believe, is Alex Blanchard. And she actually posted a picture of her car dash listening to this on a road trip. So that means a lot to me. Again, I think it's the coolest thing when little artwork comes up on your little screen dash. And you take this podcast along with you out on the road. So tag me in that and I'll post repost you guys on my Instagram story. And I'll pick one of you guys to give a shout out to Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Maybe give you that little bit of nostalgia to go back and watch some of these old Disney animated movies and get a feeling of like, oh, maybe these weren't as great. Maybe you can kind of notice those little differences from the movies of the Dark Age. Or maybe you just want to go back and listen to some of these songs. I'm going to go and annoy my girlfriend by singing some songs from Hamilton now. So I will talk to you guys next week, next Monday. Brand new episode right here. And until then, later. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.